In Newfoundland, the mythical hero of our traditional folktales, there's a clever young fellow named Jack. You find him pretty much the same in Irish folktales, too, and he's one of the two Jacks in this tale. The other one, well, he's not so mythical, but he's very much alive. He lives up the road from me here in St. John's City. And this story brings the two Jacks together. It begins the way any proper story should. Once, Once upon a time. upon a time. Once upon a time. Not in my time or in your time, but a time long before. There were three brothers. Tom, Bill, and Jack. Jack and Alec and Adel. Jack and his brothers. Alec was the skipper. The three brothers, they uh, only fished there. They were great fishermen. Jack was a fisherman. Half past seven in the morning. Once upon a time. Wake up. Smell of wood smoke wafting through the bedroom window. Once upon a time. Look out. A crab boat steaming through the narrows into St. John's Harbor. Seven ducks paddling out from the near shore. Soft purr of noises from the other end of the harbor. The city waking. Seagulls preening on the roof of the small shed by the wharf, the one with the sign announcing it as Jack Wells's Twine Store, which confuses the tourists on the walking trail. They think it's a shop instead of the place where a retired fisherman once stored his nets. The gulls have a nest there, close by the chimney. Three fluffy chicks, noisily demanding breakfast. Beside them, a cough of smoke, a stove clearing its throat before telling today's story to the chimney. Jack's smoke is up. I turn to my wife. Jack's smoke is up, I say. All is well with the world. My neighbor has walked down the road to his twine store kingdom. The day may begin. Of course, this is the romantic view. You could just as well describe it as another ordinary day in an insignificant neighborhood, in an insignificant small city, on an insignificant island off the east coast of Canada, an insignificant nation. Just another turn of time's screw, and the man lighting the fire with yesterday's newspapers and scrap splits, just a nondescript 76-year-old human being, with just a few stories and a few bottles of beer to get him through the day. Nothing special. You could see it that way. Once there was a fellow, and his name is Jack. Well, I promised the boys I'd cook a bit of dinner for them, eh? So I don't want to disappoint them. So that's what I'm doing this morning now. I got the minced meat in the oven. Now I'm getting my potatoes ready. So by the time they comes round, 12 o'clock, I'll have an hour cook for them. Something to do past wet times, huh? I like cooking. I was going to go sap some wood, but... I think it's too hot today. Nah, this day, I think I'm going to take it easy. Have a beer, you know, I have a beer all the time. For a change. For a change, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like draft beer, boy. <clears throat> I had a... One day last week, I had chunky chips, homemade chips, and then a roast of pork on. It's only me and Mike and Charlie. 
sat down with we clean half out of there. <laughs> and we said, Mike loves pork. He said, that was a great bit of pork, Jeff. I said, wasn't the pork, boys. I felt like cooking. <laughs> Good evening, everyone, and uh, welcome to the Crow's Nest for our monthly meeting, the Storytelling Circle. Who is here for the first time? The Storytelling Circle is um, a group that meets once a month, and uh, we come together, and we're in an old pub in St. John's. And um, I tell all kinds of folk tales, but my favorite stories to tell are, are traditional Newfoundland Jack stories. And my name is Mary Farron. But this is about Jack and uh, a game of cards, and it's called The Head Card Player of the World. So, once upon a time, not in my time or in your time, of course, but in a time long before, the first Jack story I ever heard was in Placentia Bay when I was visiting um, my uncle, who was a fisherman in uh, Paradise Sound. And uh, I heard the men telling stories of Jack. I mean, that was, that was 1971 when I went to Paradise Sound. There was no power in the place that I went to visit. You couldn't just flip on your lights or flip on your television to read. You couldn't even read a book because it would be too dark to read by the candlelight. So sitting around and telling the stories was the thing to do. And so I guess that's why... I mean, for me, the stories weren't ever told to be written down. They were told to be just told for what they were. Um, so the stories are as old as certainly uh, Newfoundland, and beyond that, back to the stories of the old traditional tales of England and Ireland. And, of course, the stories of Jack in Newfoundland, he might be building a boat, he might be facing a giant, he might be facing a mermaid, and he comes across fairy folks and all kinds of characters on his journey, and he always comes out on top. Once upon a time, there were three brothers, Tom, Bill, and Jack. And Jack loved nothing more than to have a game of cards. Now one day, the head card player of the world just happened to be passing through the town where Jack lived. And Jack found himself sitting at the table with the head card player of the world. And so the first game came up and Jack bid a thousand dollars. And he won. The head card player of the world looked at Jack and he said, I'll tell you what, Jack, double or nothing. Jack said, okay. And Jack played. And he won. Now the head card player of the world looked at Jack and he said, I'll tell you what, Jack, I'll play all my money and all my land against your life. And Jack was feeling rather lucky, so he agreed. Well, he played that hand of cards and Jack lost. Now the head card player of the world stood up over Jack and he said, Now, Jack, he said, I'm going to give you a year and a day to find me. And if you can find me, well, Jack, I might spare your life. And with that, the head card player of the world disappeared. And Jack thought to himself, well, what am I going to do now? There don't be much clay on the day of his I think he'd be washing out and put it on and A Jack tale to me is a story of any Newfoundlander in my mind. His character is someone who can face anything, no matter what the challenge is. Well, that's that part of it anyway. He can... Um, out with the devil. He can face the seas and, and uh, ward off any evils that might be faced him. He's one of these people that's really open to the world, and whatever comes his way, it doesn't slow him down one bit. He's big-hearted. Oh, I'm a happy fellow. I had a good life, man. 
In the traditional Newfoundland stories of Jack, he, he had two brothers, Tom and Bill. Two brothers, Ellie and Nat. I fished them 30 years. Once upon a time. Well, when we read it, first we read it, it was Eddie's brothers. We used to sell a lot of fish. We had 450 cans down here one year. Besides what we sold fresh, but you got no money for it, sir. Two brothers, Tom and Bill, and they get, uh, Jack was the youngest, of course. Yeah, I was young as any of us smiles. Now, Tom and Bill were the oldest, and Jack was the youngest, and poor old Jack, he was always getting to put to the dirty work. And then, boy, in the spring of the year, then, when they get the pickle fish, pickle in the big, big rum punchings, was. Big punching, but he's been big one. So Jack would have to clean out the fish punching. So they'd pick Jack up and they'd drop him down into the fish punching with a scrub brush and a bucket of water. And they'd leave him down there till it was all cleaned out. When you get the fish out of that then, he'd put me down the punching, even so much water, and give me a scrub brush. And I'd scrub out the punchings for him. And then they'd just turn the punching up. And they'd tip down the punching and I'd walk out. <laughs> water and I'll come out, me and water and I'll come out. Jack would slide out onto the grass with the dirty old fish water coming behind him. But Jack never minded that, because he was just one of those souls that got along with everyone. It don't matter, me. I didn't mind, but go out and do your work, that was it. I don't want to want to do Often, um, the two brothers, Tom and Bill, will lead Jack on his journeys. They'll start off on the journey, but uh, fail to uh, come back with whatever they've gone out to seek. It's their fortune. They can't seem to quite get it together because they're too selfish. Whereas Jack goes off into the world and is an open-hearted soul, so uh, good luck and uh, happiness come to him. Now, when it came to the time that these boys were ready to set out into the world, Tom and Bill, who were hard-working fellas, set off. They said to their mother, roast me some hens and bake me some buns, for tomorrow we're going off into the world to seek our fortune. So the mother gladly got up and roasted beautiful hens and baked some nice buns and sent them off on their way. Well, Alec Nat, where I was, when they grew up, they had built two motorboats in those days with Tom. They built one for Alec Nat and they built one for himself. And Alec Nat went together. Well, Alec Nat, two of them were fishing the line one for I went with them. Now, Jack looked around and he thought to himself, sure, maybe I'm ready to go off into the world and seek my fortune. So he got up the next day and he said, Mother, roast me a hen and bake me a bun for I'm going off to seek my fortune. And she said, I'm not roasting any hens or baking any buns for you, you old beggar boy. You're not getting nothing. You just stay where you're too. And Jack said, No, I'm going off into the world and seeking my fortune. So he packed up his bags, took a few old crusts of bread and went on his way. God, his fortune. I went with him. 14, I started 14 years old with him. Well, we only had one skipper. That was Ellie. Well, he was the oldest... Alec was the oldest, and Alec boy was good. We went out in the morning, and the women's down southwest. We say, well, he say, now, it's up to you, but I say, every boat out of St. John's is going to be over the Cape there up on the shore. And I come down to the southwest, we sort of went down to way around. He said, no, no, Go on down, run the wind, go on down, and we'd have a punch coming on, we'd take it on the chin, come back with a great kid's fish. But, but we used to have lots of water over us coming on. Guaranteed, eh? And we didn't mind that. I like not oh, I fished for 30 years, but yes, he never stopped. Now Jack walked, and he walked and he walked, and I don't know where he went or what he did, but he was almost at the end of his year and his day, and he found himself standing on the edge of the woods. And he was thinking, what's going to become of me, he said. And he looked out, and all of a sudden he saw a little light off in the distance. And Jack started to make his way towards that light. And as he got closer, he realized that it was the light of a house. 
So he went up and he banged on the door. And who should answer but the head card player of the world? Good evening to you, Jack, he said. I was just thinking about coming and finding you, he said. You're a lucky soul to find me before your time was up. Now come in, Jack, and have some supper. So Jack went in and had some supper. And when he was finished his supper, the man said, Now, Jack, i got a couple of jobs for you, and if you can do them for me, well, we'll, we'll see about you. So Jack said, Fine. So the next day, Jack got up, and the man took Jack out into a burn. And the burn was seven miles wide and seven miles long, and it hadn't been cleaned out in a hundred years. And he said to Jack, My wife lost her ring about a hundred year ago in here, and I want you to find it for me today. Now I'm going off, and when I get back, if you don't have the ring, well, that'll be it for you, Jack. Well, Jack said, okay. I went into standard manufacturing one spring. I said, Jack, it's a month's work in the standard. I had a month ago. I couldn't walk the way he worked in there. First thing he done was put me putting the hands inside gallon cans. That's what you do you for hours. Jeez, I'd have them done. Then he gave me the broom, I sweep the floor then. They're very good. I had the months work by. I was giving up. Foreman Connolly said, Jack, I'm going upstairs now. I'm going up because I can get you a steady job. I said, don't you waste your time. He said, why? I said, you're not getting me to stay indoors walking. I ain't going down the water. I ain't going fishing. I said, give Jimmy the job. And the young was there. He got the job. No, he didn't want to go indoors. Never been to I come out and went fishing that night. I was fishing ever since. In 96, I give it up. I mean, I went where I wanted to go on the water. No, I got no regrets about going fishing. And the head card player of the world came home. He said, did you find my ring, Jack? Yes, said Jack, I did. Here's your ring. So the head card player of the world took the ring said to Jack that he was a clever fella. Yes, said Jack, I am. And he said, now come in and have your supper, Jack, because i got another job for you tomorrow. Be around by and by now. We'd have a chat and tell a few jokes and a few lies, I suppose, and everything else. That goes together, anyway. Yeah, what do you talk about? All you? Oh, some of those there brings up, well, when they were growing up, old times, you know. Charlie talked about when he was up on the lakes fishing. Then we'd bring up something then, and he can't remember it, and probably I'll remember it, and I'll tell him. They're losing their memory, anyway. <laughs> Charlie now can't walk much, you know what I'm Mike picks him up and brings him down over the hill every day. Brings him back up again and eat him, you know. So they get along good together, boy. Then Chase comes over, and Chase and Mike, oh, they're good. Two of them gets into the arguments. Mike be saying something, and Chase will in. Mike says, Chase, shut up. Fifty years starting to myself. <laughs> That's the way Mike expresses it, eh? You know, I uh, get a great kick out of him. I don't mind him coming around, right? I love him coming around. 
I'm Chess Sweet Apple. I live up just up the road, two houses. I went in a lot of mornings, like eight, a little after eight o'clock, and he, he doesn't. He's a little hard of hearing, so I'd walk in. And he's over, and he's got his breakfast set up on the table over, and he might he might have any salt fish. He could have moose sausages cooked. Uh, he has his breakfast every morning. He comes on over the hill in there, and then he'll cook something for Mike and and his brother-in-law Charlie. They'll have something to eat their lunchtime. All day he'd just sit in there and he'd have a beer and uh, usually we have a friendly argument with Mike Walsh. He, a lot of ribbing going on. I'm Mike Walsh and I come down to Jack now because of my age. I have nothing to do and I'm trying to keep a little bit in the mind, especially physically. <laughs> the body's not that good, but I still like to come down. And uh, well, I'm half and half. I joke with the boys, right? If we talk about religion or something. I'm not prejudiced because I'm half and half. I'm a Protestant and, 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 and Catholic. And the voice is Roman Catholic. I said, no, just, just Catholic. It's good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's true, too, because Mom is salvation and I'm Catholic, right? I'm Charlie Ryan. <coughs> <coughs> but my wife finds a big difference in me now since I'm going out there. Because I was here in the house. Trying to do stuff and doing stuff I'm not supposed to be doing. Lifting this or that or the other thing, right? Then she come on and she say, Why don't you go down with Jack and him for a while? Because <coughs> it's hard on the nerves, Chris. Mm. Even you, if you're stuck around the house all the time, you think the wife's going to put up with you? Right? You would have lumps on your head too. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Oh, is that going down on? No. Well, it helps me relax and bug people. And what? Bug them. Like, if I know you better, I might say things to you, but you know it's not an insult. Like I said to Mike and Jack, the guy tells me sometimes, well, Mike, tell Jack to go himself. Oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. I said, tell him. I said, I will. <laughs> I said, he'll tell you the same thing back. But that's the way we are, right? But you relax. Watch your fingers! Hello! <laughs> well, Charlie is uh, Jack's brother in law. And Mike Walsh lived, Mike is 82 or 83. 82, I think it is. Yeah, Mike, Mike is the, uh, what would you call him? Not a handyman, but he, he likes to be busy for his age. I said, work fascinates me. I know I can, do. I can stand and watch it all day. <laughs> Now play the tunes on the side. Hey, play the tunes on the side. This is a. Yeah. No, not that. I know you can play tunes on them, you know. No. Boom, boom, boom. No, not that. Yeah, you're right. Oh, everything comes up. Every day there's something comes up different, right? And I don't even know where it comes from. Get a few beers. You know, I'll stop right there, right? <laughs> I don't know what you're going to say. I'm going to say it then, right? Mike, you're a man in many trades, right? Ringer's not going oh, through. Not the, no, boy, not the... No, the ringer's not going through, see? He's not going to see you. No. Yeah. It makes the day go faster, to me, though. I mean, I think if we... Uh, <laughs> personally, if I think if I came down here at 10 or 11, and... Uh, I'm there, and we're there, put it that way, and we're not saying anything. 
the day is really long, yeah. really long, boring day. So you gotta get into something. <laughs> could you could you catch a fly, a house fly? And how to do it? If it's a house fly on the table there. I know how to do Make sure he's hit it. The flies. I know it's only small now. Put your hand there. Okay, if it's that way, do like that. The fly runs into your hand. You get it, but it also hits your hands. Yeah. You got to put it down by the head of the fly. It makes sense. Okay. And a mat, a mat is flying around your light bulbs. Pull your hand up nearly get the, up by the bulb. They will land on your hand. If you're quick enough then, you can catch them. These fellas make soup out of everything, sir. <laughs> 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 so you gotta be quick. No, you, you got that on. You got that on the boys too. Jesus. And like the old bunny said, uh, come down the house. He said we got some bull bird soup. So the dad went down to the house. The old woman was there cooking. Bunny was there and he had a couple balls of soup. He said, Mrs. This is probably bull bird soup. He said I've never seen your bull bird yet. She said, my son. She said. There was only two in the pot, but when I dip up your ball, I think one dove. <laughs> <laughs>
I call that 10 mile rope. Every bit of land deck when we come in, we only have to have it ashore. Something on the arms, I'll tell you that. I didn't mind that. Then I was young and anyway. Yeah, not a walk to but. But you've got to enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it, there's no sense in there. Now, this is my opinion on Jack. I don't know, you know, if I'm right or what I'm talking about, really. Jack would be lost. He'd be a lost person if he never had that stage. If he couldn't come down here and talk to the boys. It's a different world. You know, that's Jack's castle. Yeah. Oh, he, if he didn't have that, that shed, that twine store, I don't know if Jack Wells would be around. That's his life right today till he passes on, hopefully another 20 or 30 years if he can get it. But that's his life. It's Jack's store, and I call it a, a social club. A lot of people would come in, they'd look around, and they see the, the gas range in there and three refrigerators. And a lot of people think, this poor old gentleman, is he living here alone? And people come in, and I make sure, I say, now, he doesn't live here, but he has his house up the road, so they have to straighten a lot of people. No, no, this is just a, a social club. <laughs> what did you get last time, Mike? Well, if it pleases you, yes, I got it. I'm not getting it. <laughs> Once upon a time. Jack, remember the dog with the red air nose? Yeah. I can remember him coming out the road with about a 15-pound turkey in his mouth. And the drumsticks and everything else. Yes. Everything comes up. Every day there's something comes up different, right? <laughs> no conversations about... Mm. You know, really, whatever comes to someone's mind, like, uh, well, it's not made up, it's all facts, but they're they're just um, a little latitude, put it that way, okay? A little pinchy, little bit of a fib. <laughs> I mean, if Jack went out there and he said, I've been out there X amount of years, I said, Jack, don't forget it, I've been out there before you. And that starts a little bit of thing, you know, and, and then I say, um... Now I'll tell you, Jack. Jack, do you remember uh, Rich Dent? Yes, said Jack, I yes. do. He used to uh, jump off at one of them boats, one around Lorden, every now and then they'd have a, a Marine yeah. boat to one load or something. Yeah. Yes. He's such a good swimmer. Oh, Rich. They'd throw a bottle of rum, and he'd dive off at the boat and go down and get the bottle of rum. Yeah. Do you ever hear about that, Terry? He could swim across there for... Well, it was many years after that Jack went out working with his brothers fishing. And he'd worked out at the sea for a long time. He loved the water. Don't know how to swim now. And one day he was out on that boat and he slipped on a tiny bit of bait. And didn't he go head first right into the water? Oh God, just have a shooting away crab pots. I was on Miss Jackal, the land on her. We were off about seven or eighty miles, I guess. Since spring the year, see. Well, the icebergs around the go. Water wasn't that warm, you know. I just sat in the side door. And I used to shout out to the side door where you set the pots, right? Slipped on a bit of bait. And I must have slipped down a piece of bait. And when I showed the pot, I went on head first. He slipped head first. Right out to the door. Right into the water. And, and he went down once. When I come up, I grabbed the line that the pots were going down on. 
and hold that clear me. I said to me, see me mind, I'm not going to pass. And I see the boat's far away, and he's shooting away, he's going to come home, he's automatic pilot about, we ran manual steering, eh? So the boy's about a man over, Jeez, he had to get around him with the manual steering, right? And that had my eyes close on, rubber boots, bends on me boots and everything. So I went down, come up, I see her. And, and he went down twice. He went down again, and I come up. He was turned then coming. And the third time, Jack went under. Went down third time, and I see me family. See me whole family in front of me. As true as I'm here, all my family was there. But in your mind, then you're not going to see them no more anyway, you know. And in that very moment, Jack remembered all about the head card player of the world, and he remembered about his true love, his wife. But what I done to come up again? I don't know. Jack thought to himself, there's no way I'm dying here. Whether I walk my feet in my hands or you know, she give myself another push, now what push? That was in my mind. And just like that, Jack gave himself a big push. I don't know what I do with my hands or what, I, I, I don't know, I can't remember that, you know. And just as he was thinking about all those things, a great hand of his brother reached down into the water and pulled Jack up on deck. And when I come up again, I put my hands up right there at the bow of the boat, right, put my hands on the bow of the boat. He come right back on top of me then when he come back. The boys hooked me over the border. He got me aboard, he said I was blue when he pumped me out on deck. Pumped me, this is fine by the water starts to come out. Somebody said he's coming too. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good experience, I know. <laughs> I said the boy I said Davy Jones didn't want me, boy, he sent me back up again. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when Jack got back on land, he walked, and he walked, and he walked all day and all night and all the next day until at last he found himself sitting beside a river and thinking to himself, I'm not doing very good at finding my fortune. And he was feeling a little bit sorry for himself. And didn't he look up the river and he saw the strangest sight coming before him? For there was a cat riding down in a boat. Well, Dad, we were here one night... About 12, I suppose, having a game of darts. And this little kid didn't come in. She ran in, come over around the table. Good evening to you, Jack, she said. So I never thought nothing of it. Good evening to you too, puss, said Jack. And soon she hopped up, the boys said, Oh, look at dart. They named her dart right away. Because <laughs> she come around the dart night. We are playing darts, right? She said, what are you doing here, sitting beside the river, Jack? And Jack said, I'm out seeking my fortune. And as soon as I find a master to hire me, that's what I'm going to do. And she said, well, Jack... I'm looking for a man. Would you come and work for me? Yes, said Jack, I would. But she said, if you're going to work for me, Jack, you got to stay for a year and a day. And at the end of the year and the day, well, I'll give you a bag of gold. Okay, said Jack. That sounded perfect. For then he'd have his fortune. So Jack got in the boat with the cat. So I took her in. Yeah, everybody around here knows that. Every morning I come down, then she'll be here. Gee, I fell in love with her. I couldn't get clear of her anyway. Oh, she used to get up in my arms and everything. I sit in the chair there, she'd get up, lie up on my chest. Yeah, she was, she was some cat, but everybody loved her, sir. And after a year, well, dear, they found himself on that same river bank that Jack found himself on that year before. And she said, Jack, well, your year and your day is up now, and here's your bag of money. 
And Jack took the bag of money and was feeling pretty happy. And just as he turned his head and looked over on the other side of the river, who should he see but Tom and Bill? And they each had a bag of money over their arm, but they had a beautiful woman they were holding hands with walking down towards home. And Jack started feeling right sorry for himself, for he had a bag of money, but he didn't have any beautiful woman. And the cat looked at Jack and said, What's wrong with you, Jack? And Jack said, I got no beautiful woman. She said, Well, Jack, I might be able to help you out, Jack. And she pulled from her jacket half a ring. Now she said, Jack, I'm going to give you this half a ring, and I'm going to tell you that if you can find a woman who owns the other half of this ring, well, you'll find a woman for you, and it shouldn't take you long. But first, she said, you got to do me a favor, Jack, before I give you this ring. Well, what is it, said Jack? She said, well, you got to light a great big fire, Jack, and then you got to throw me in the fire. What, said Jack? I'm not throwing you in the fire. Sure, I really like you. No, she said, Jack, you got to throw me in the fire. Well, Jack said, I can't throw you in the fire. And she said, you've got to throw me in that fire, Jack, and I'm not taking another word for it. I'm your master. Jack knew she was right. So Jack took the ring from her, and he lit the great big fire, and then he picked up the cat and threw her in the fire. And just like that, a puff of smoke, she was gone. Missing cat. Name, Dart. Description, large orange tabby with slightly matted hair. Very friendly and affectionate. No tags, no collar. Lives in the outer battery and belongs to Jack Wells. Dart is horribly missed. If you have any information, please call the following numbers. This is a poster that uh, we put up around July 7th or 8th. And uh, so far we have, we've heard nothing. A lot of uh, people calling, but uh, it wasn't Dart. Well, Jack was feeling awful bad. He was sitting by the river's edge and thinking about that. Yeah. Every morning I come down, I expect her to come in and she'd be there, there on the floor, you know. You think something, or she went off to perish, you know. If she got well enough, she'd come back. I think she would anyway, you know. She might be frightened, but I think she would come back, you know. I don't know. Oh, I love the cat. Uh, That's what he do. Everybody's asked looking for her anyway. Really, you know, with a passion, he loved that cat. So somebody definitely had to take her, I think. You know, gone anyway. Somebody got her voice. We don't know if she wandered away, which I doubt, but, well, we had a dog incident, too. The dog was dog-napped. Kid, a dog-napping, and maybe a cat-napping, too. There's a lot of theories, but you can't say too much about it. But when you think about it, the cat is so friendly, and all the people are walking back and forth here. So Jack thinks, well, we all think that she just went on the trail and followed the people and got lost up there, eh? you know. Jack really misses her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love that cat, he did. But we won't give up yet. <coughs> if we can just do a little further checking. Yes. Too bad, what? Somebody asked me the other day they want one. I said, no. She went back, I said, I'll take her, and I said, but I don't want another cat. She was special, yeah. She was. She was special to me, you know. Well, Jack was sitting there thinking about that. And who should come round the corner but the beautiful princess? And she saw Jack, and she said, what's wrong with you, Jack? And Jack told the story of the cat. She said, Jack, did that cat give you anything before you threw her in the fire? Yes, said Jack. She gave me half a ring. And Jack pulled a half a ring out, and the princess said, look, Jack. And she pulled the other half out, and they put them together, and they fit together just perfect. 
Well, said Jack, I guess we were meant to be. I think she's coming back. I don't know. Woman in the other day, she told me a woman uh, lost her cat. I know she ran towards her ears, she did. The cat come home. I said, what? Yes, yeah, she said, Jack, the cat's coming back. That's all the sense that the cat came back. Yeah. Oh, I hope she do. I miss her, Jack. In the morning, I come down, that's when I look for her, right? Now I gotta have a little swally. Take over some idea anyway, that though. Lisa, I feels awful bad about that cat. She said, Jack, you don't have to feel awful bad about that cat, because that cat is me. What? said Jack. And then the princess told how she had a spell put on her by a wicked witch one long time ago. And the only way she wouldn't live as a cat was if she could find someone to serve under for a year and a day. And then that person had to throw her in a fire and burn her up. And Jack you did that for me. And so Jack was so happy. He had a beautiful woman on his arm and a great big bag of money. And so he made his way for home. Well, Mike, I suppose we'll go home now, will we? Well, I guess I'm waiting for you. You're not. Well, I'm the happiest man in the world. Had a great crowd here today, Chris. Had a good chat. Had a good argument. And what is life all about? You know what I mean? I, I love the boys. Me. I get old, but not too old, you know. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jack. I love you as I never loved you before. Cheese get that. And first I met you on the village green. Come to me. Mike, you're a wonder, you are, boy. <laughs> All hands pile into Mike's little blue car, the one with the disabled sticker on the windshield, and then up the hill to home. It'll be more or less the same tomorrow. Unless, tomorrow, the cat comes back. And at the end of the day... They all sat down to the tin table, but the tin table bended, and so my story has ended. And if the tin table had been stronger, well, my story would have been longer. And if they didn't live happily ever after, well, then may all of ye. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.